Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Bulls on Tap. I am your boy Buzz, and tonight I am joined by a very special guest, along with Bull Scripted, aka Goose. We are joined by C Red Fred. Be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us all on Twitter, following Fred at CBE Fred, following Goose at Bulls Scripted, following me at Buzz on Tap, following our show at Bulls on Tap. Guys, we're recording this right after the slam dunk contest where we just saw another robbery. Aaron Gordon got robbed again, and uh, the all-star festivities are over until tomorrow's all-star game. First of all, Fred, I want to welcome you on the show on Bulls on Tap for the first time. We'll start with you. What have you thought about this weekend so far? Well, first of all, let me say it's an honor to be on with you guys. I love your show. I love your pod. You know, obviously, Keith and I go way back and buzz you too, and it's just a great to talk with you guys because I find myself nodding my head in agreement with a lot of what you guys say, which is pretty rare these days because most of Bulls fans just are, you know, full of uh, anger and fury signifying nothing. <laughs> but you know, I, I uh, what was the question? Oh, yeah. Well, that was the weekend. I thought it was awesome. I mean, the three point contest was great. You know, it sucks. I'm, I'm. You might be able to tell pretty under the weather. My son's under the weather. Uh, it seems like half the half the people I know are either ill or sick, and the weather sucks here. But I mean, it was really a, a really a great evening in Chicago. You know, I just I'm still frustrated though. Obviously, with the state of the team, the timing couldn't be worse for where the Bulls are at for such a great thing is the all-star game to come here and i think we all expect it to be in much better position uh, as we uh, headed into this weekend and it's uh can't help but feel like it was kind of a lost opportunity yeah absolutely goose you got follow-up no i mean zach and lowry were both supposed to be all-stars the only player <laughs> who made it into an event outside of the three-point was zach was wendell uh, didn't make a appearance in the rising stars but he's injured so he didn't even get to play uh, it was kind of a wash for the Chicago Bulls, and they tried to force Pat Bevin there with the Chicago uh, affiliation in the skills challenge, and he got his ass kicked in the first round. So, I mean, and then we had D. Wade rigging the dunk contest. So we, we did have some Chicago representation in a way, but wouldn't re- necessarily say it was good. So it, it the weekend as a whole, I feel, was – somewhat of a success maybe got some criticism necessary out there in the air um that was positive yeah you know i i guess i'm in the boat with you guys too is like it's cool that the weekend is here it's cool that you know the first time since 1988 that all-star weekend's been here in chicago um what really sucks about everything to me and in my mind is just exactly what you kind of brought up our only representation was Zach Levine in the three-point contest and Wendell, who didn't even get to play because he's been hurt. Um, and then I think the worst part that just grinds my ass the most is that the Miami Heat have so far won <laughs> the All-Star Week. Well, at least tonight, you know, Saturday night, uh, you know, they had two winners. Um, it kind of sucks. But that criticism that you brought up that's kind of been going on all week, well, I mean, well, since Wednesday or Thursday, really, um, when the All-Star festivities really started kicking off here in Chicago. Uh, we're going to get right into this guy right now. Zach Levine was on ESPN's first take. And credit where credit's due before we even get into the, the the most talkative part about this is Zach is a true professional, and that interview just made me like him even more than I already did because I am a Zach Levine fan. I think he's a good player, and I think he could still grow into something. I said I'd throw my two cents in there. But, Fred, I want to start with you. Thoughts on Zach's interview? And thoughts on this rowdy Chicago crowd chanting fire gar packs, pissing off Stephen A. Smith in the in the meantime with with that. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that real quick. Have we lost Fred? Is Fred on mute? Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm back. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> I actually I actually hit mute on my mic. It's um, okay. You know, first of all, on Zach, he's a complete professional and he's a great represent representative of the beloved bull uh, i saw several interviews with him over the weekend and guys just a stellar kid i mean he's like fantastic in every sense of the word and he's a great representative for the beloved so but i can't say enough good stuff about him as far as the actions of the fans you know <laughs> it's what i've seen for years now and you know i keep on coming back to this i just think 
the hatred for Gar Pax, in my opinion, seems to be far greater than the love for the Bulls. It's it's a lot of people I meet that are on this fire Gar Pax just like rage. I can't have a coherent conversation with them. And if you try to, you know, you ask them, you know, give me your reasons and outline them in a in a coherent way why these guys should be fired. Uh, they can't really enumerate them well. It always starts with some stupid statement about, you know, Thibodeau. And it, it always goes to that. You know, it's like, hey, fire Tibbs. And it's just, you know, I can count on one hand a number of people who really hate Gar Pax. I can have a, uh, I think, a conversation with that. I, I think well, they'll, they'll make good points. And I, I don't think it's beneficial for the, for the city or for the, or for the Bulls. I go back to when Gasol left the town. And he was an all-star for us both years. He was all-NBA in his first year. Exceptional. Took less money to come here. And on his last you know, post on Twitter, thank you, Chicago, I love you guys, it was filled with some of the most hateful, stupid, vile, vindictive garbage I've ever read. I think there's a lot of horrific, dumb, stupid Bulls fans. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of them populate the Fireguard Packs crowd. Now, I'm not saying... I, I'm in agreement with a lot. I think it's time for John Paxson to move on. I just don't agree with the the level of belligerence, and I don't I don't think their performance was commensurate with the anger. Um, and it's just like this assumption: let's fire them. It's going to be great. You know, no, it's not. Like it's so. It will be so easy for this to whoever they bring in have it go even further south. Um, you know, I kind of have made this point on Twitter today. There are so many things about this organization, the city, that put us at a disadvantage. Uh, everybody acts like, oh, Chicago, it's a world-class town. When every, every one of these players flew in on Friday, it was like a high of six. It was 16 degrees out. It was 71 in Los Angeles. It was over 80 in, in Miami. It was 60 degrees in San Francisco. Sorry, like, if you're 25 and you're spending half your, your time in a town, you just – it's nice to be warm. It's – it's Toronto Raptors put together to me the best organization, the best front office, uh, and a world class team. And Kawhi Leonard still walked for the Clippers, you know, who, despite, you know, putting together a good team, it's still, I think that's like a, a problem that's not going to just leave. So I know we got a lot of anger towards Gar Pack, some of it justified. I don't think it's immediately going to get better when they're fired unless we make a, we get a little bit of combination of luck and, and, we put the right guy in place, and I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not confident at all that's going to happen. Goose, what you got on this, brother? You know, <clears throat> I've been uh, called a Garpax defender and a Garpax burner, and all that for the last couple of years. <laughs> and I, uh, I don't know if I've finally reached the breaking point or if I've kind of always understood that. Well, yeah, they've been here a long time. Most franchises move on from front offices and you can spin that either way having that kind of relationship can be a positive when it's working good when it's not working it becomes a very hot topic for fans that like hey these guys are untouchable they can't do no wrong uh we don't know what goes on behind closed doors uh last season it was easy for me to understand all the losses because we signed up for that this year we were supposed to take that step forward and I feel like we handed the keys to a moron. And that has to be taken accountable for with them. And the Thibodeau point that Fred made is valid. But I think the greater issue is just the problem with coaching in general. They need to have this level of control so they make these certain hires instead of having the availability to sign any top-name proven coach, though there wasn't as many available this offseason as there might be this upcoming offseason. So I don't think this front office has done as bad as they are credited for, but I also don't think that they've done good enough to necessarily see the final stages of this out. I think they should step down uh, graciously and you know, walk away knowing that if this is put into the right hands, that they did kind of set it up on a tee with the right kind of young talent. And, you know, if the next person does worse than they do, then, well, they come out smelling like a rose. So, but I just, I think that change is needed come this offseason. 
Yeah, I'm 100% with you on that. And, uh, you know, I've been pretty vocal. Fred, I, I think I'm kind of in your boat with how the fans have reacted about it. Like, I haven't gone around chanting, you know, fire gar packs or anything like that. I haven't done that. Now, I've had some tweets out there where they have pissed royally, just pissed me off, where I'm like, we need change up in this front office. I, I can't handle it anymore. And I think the straw that broke my back you know, with with this whole thing was definitely the Jim Boylan extension. Now, you can go back to prior tweets that I had because everybody keeps receipts, right? That I mean, everybody loves to do that, especially if you have a little bit of a following on Twitter. Everybody loves to keep receipts of shit that you said. Um, with that being said, I did, I was optimistic after Fred. You were at this too, that practice that we all met up at. After seeing. Yep. After seeing Jim Boylan that day, and you know this is a great segue into this that I want to, as soon as I'm done with my thought here, Fred, I want to get your opinion on this practice as well. But after that day, I felt very confident. So I do want to say that right away. I haven't been a burn it down guy the whole time, but you know after that open practice to the fans, I felt a lot more confident. I was like, okay, cool. I think they might have made a good decision here, not extending him, but maybe this hire. Maybe he's going to be the guy that really helps you know these young guys get over the hump. But as far as the fire Gar pack stuff, I always thought that Gar was a decent scout, and I still stand by that. I do. I, I, I still stand by that. But I do agree that I think it's time for Paxson to move on. Um, he's had one too many questionable coaching decisions. I mean, goddamn, he tried choking out Vinny Del Negro. You know, I mean, he, he's had a lot of, he's had a lot of bad shit kind of happen to him within the front office, and I bet he's caused, um, I think, the perception of the Bulls is not great, and we hear that from around the league. You see reports of that. Oh, well, people don't want to go play with them, or Jim Boylan was voted the worst head coach. No one wants to play with him. You know, and just all, all this kind of stuff. I, I do think that the perception has changed, but also I think the fans have a little bit to do with that as well. I'm not saying I'm a perfect fan by any means necessary. I bitch and moan just like the rest of them, but I do have points behind my shit, and I just don't want to belong to a movement because I can care less about belonging to a movement, but... It's got to be rough for players coming in on All-Star Weekend to see fans fire gar packs and just that, like you said, Fred, the pure hatred that is projected at them. It's like players coming in here be like, man, if I fuck up, are these people going to boo me out of the building every night? You know, I, I think that's something that fans need to think about. Yes. But, you yes, know. they <laughs> Well, yeah, they yeah, will. Like... Absolutely. Well, I think that the kind of argument that's often made is, you know, nobody wants to come here and just throw that out, you know, and it's not even remotely based. In fact, Dad Young was a desirable free agent that wanted to come here and he and, you know, the Bulls made it happen. Paul Gasol, we can go back at, you know, the number of good signings Dwayne Wade ended up signing. I, I know, I know, you know, a lot of people are rolling their eyes. Yeah, we haven't been successful getting those top free agents. I'm just making that point. I, I still feel like I don't care who you bring in here. The elite of the elite choose three to five destinations when they when they when they want to when they get to that what i call the true unrestricted phase of their career that's after that first max contract there's enough incentives for like town signed to max deal well that's because it was financially the incentives were huge for them to do it um you know so it's, i'm talking about that second deal when they're 28 or 29 27 usually uh those guys aren't going chicago's not on a list you know it's either the lakers it's L.A., San Francisco, Miami, and I just don't see that changing. Um, and it's because of things like I, I pointed to before. It's just, there's there's disadvantages. This, the weather here sucks. There's it's it's uh, you know I really think it's going to take a kind of like an incredible effort to get a a a lead of the lead here. I'm talking like a top five seven. I think what the Bulls should expect a Kemba Walker to be in the running for those type of players who are probably more in a 10 to 20, that's realistic. But, you know, I was kind of debating back and forth with somebody today, the weather in New York's not great. New York is twice as big as the second biggest market. It's twice as big as LA. It's three, almost three times as big as Chicago. It's not even, it's not even comparable. Like in terms of economic opportunity. So like, there's just so much headwind for Chicago bulls in terms of, Signing the elite of the elite, I'm not. I just don't. I don't see it happening, no matter who's in the front office. Right, and then getting into that practice that I was talking about. How did you feel coming out of that? 
like because I just wanted to kind of branch off great. into that. Me too. I felt great too. I think well, Goose, I if I'm not wrong, question. you felt good too, didn't you? No, I mean we were talking forty plus wins. Yeah. At point of the seat. <laughs> You know, I have question, yeah. And we continue to throw that if healthy tag on there, which I guess kind of saves us from being completely, completely ripped. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I left that practice feeling pretty positive. Obviously, the experience itself was cool to be a part of. So maybe a little starstruck in that moment, uh, swaying me. But no, watching the practice, I felt that. They were making the right adjustments. I thought that the Bulls added positively to Jim Staff uh, and Rodgers and Fleming. So I thought that they had a good offseason. Unfortunately, um, instead of dipping our toe in the analytic pond, we just said, hey, no mid-range, Lowry, you're uh, going to be Kyle Korver, and that's all we're going to let you be. And, um, Zach, you're the only one that can take mid-range because you're the only one that makes it consistently, and that's what gets you going. So, uh, heat check in mid-range, but other than that, we want you driving or shooting threes. And everyone but Zach and, I guess, Kobe to an extent on some nights has kind of struggled because they're limited. Um, so, no, I, I did leave that practice, like both of you, feeling positive, but the way it played out, Injuries and scheme-wise just has not been ideal. Well, plus, he seems like, in general, he seems like a good guy. Like, I wanted him to succeed. You, you saw it. We saw it. Took time after the practice to take pictures of fans. And, he's you know, he seemed like a good – he answered my question on three-point shots. He said we're going to take more three-point shooting, which is what I wanted to see. The problem is he's just not a good communicator. And in today's game, you need to be able to communicate not only to the press but to your team. And it's clear he hasn't done that. He's just his answers, you know, regarding Denzel Valentine. I, you know, because I said so, and that kind of stuff doesn't fly in, in this era. I, I remember the the week that happened. I was listening to a pod with Urban Meyer, and Urban Meyer brought that ex- almost the exact point up where, you know, be, that because I said so, that kind of attitude that might have succeeded with Bobby Knight in the late eighties. That that's gone now. You have to sell yourself to your team every day. You have to sell yourself to the media. He just sounds like a you know just complete idiot, and and it's it's a shame. It's a shame. He's just this job is too big for him. You know, I'm sure he could he could afford a great career as a, which he has as an assistant for another you know 20 years. That's what he is. He's an assistant coach. He's not a head coach. And his decisions have been awful. They've cost us wins. And you know, I firm, I firmly believe if we had a competent head coach, if we had a you know, like uh, Rick Carlisle, I think we'd have seven more wins and we would be the seventh seed. But, you know, alas, it's not to be. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as well, Fred, just to piggyback off that, the injuries didn't help at all to even help, you know, I mean, no head coach could get, get through what, you know, the Bulls have dealt with injury-wise either. So why don't we just start getting into the future of, uh, you know, the future after the All-Star break here. What do we want to see in the second half? I know we were talking, I think, before we came on air about, you know, they're hoping to have the full lineup back sometime in March. Uh, so, I mean, Goose, we'll start with you on this. What do you want to see in the second half if everybody comes back? Do you want to see a, a playoff um, a playoff push? Do you want to just try to get the best pick that we possibly can get? Or, or do you want to try to see these young guys that we do have grow together? What do you want to see? I could ultimately make a valid argument for either one. I do feel personally that having his shot in the lottery, having seen um, both the Grizzlies, the Lakers, and the Pelicans all jump up with more than 30 wins last season, I believe, that, you know, playing meaningful basketball to the end of the season, chasing that eighth seed, which we are currently five games out. We do play two games left against the Magic, so technically if you can swing three games somewhere else and win those two, you can sneak into that eighth seed, and it's not an impossible feat with 27 games left. But I do feel having a shot in the lottery could be more beneficial. Is striking luck there maybe the only way that you get a true top 10 talent um, without luring somebody in free agency for some of the reasons that you and Fred both touched on from weather to... Uh, just everything in general. Chicago tax-wise is not the greatest financial situation. Then you got to deal with the cold. 
Um, so unless you have a really good coach and a really good core in perfect situation set up, it is going to be harder to attract that top talent unless they just got this obsession with, you know, being the first one to get it done since Michael. But that's a pressure that's not built for everyone either. So that cuts some of your, you know, your prospects down as well. So I think maybe finishing in the lottery is best case, but hell, I'm not going to complain if they sneak into the playoffs. All right, Fred. Well, you know, I'm one of the few people who kind of looked at the first eight games and we actually had Otto Porter a little differently than most because you, you, heard, you heard this thrown out a lot. Oh, they were awful, even with Porter. Not entirely an accurate statement. So Porter started out the season terrible, and we lost a few games because he was not himself for whatever reason. We, if we go back in time, we lost the opener to the Hornets, this game we should never have lost. Blew a huge late lead. We then went on to beat at Memphis, uh, who now in retrospect was a good win. Lost at home to Toronto. You know, nothing to be ashamed about. Then we lost at the Knicks after having a second-half 18-point lead. Uh, we lost at Cleveland with, with a double-digit lead that we should have never blown. Two ridiculous games where Porter did not play well. From that point on against the Pistons, he had, he had a fantastic game. For the next four games, he shot over 50% from the field and three. He was playing very well. And the Bulls, in his last game, uh, we were up 19 against the Los Angeles Lakers at home. And we blew that game. We blew that game. Uh, he was fantastic in that game, 4-7 from 3, had 18 points. But you know, the fact remains is the team really should have been about 6-2 and two, or at least 5-3 and three while he was healthy. We didn't have him. We didn't have Hutch. So we lost, like, both our two, you know, our starting and the backup at the three. We didn't have any other injuries, and there's no excuse for a team playing so poor, poorly as long as they did. But I, I still kind of, like, feel that we do have an inaccurate picture of the team, how good it is or how good it could have been if Porter was healthy. I think he is the key, kind of like the linchpin to making this team work. He's so good from three, so he's a good defender, versatile defender. Um, so I'd just like to see him show up and play like I know he's capable of and see what happens. Uh, you know, I, I, I really do. I, I'm, like, kind of nauseated at people now, like, oh, they're losing. I lost five in a row. We don't have our starting three, four, and five. Like, look at Golden State. I don't care who you are in the NBA and, and your best perimeter defender in Chris Dunn. You're missing four of your top seven rotation players. You're going to be awful. Once these guys get back, I do feel that we are one of the top eight teams in the East. It's just now, are we too far behind to get back into it? You know, we'll see. Orlando was kind of in a free fall for, there for a while. Um, I, I want him to make the playoffs. I do. I, I think it's important for Zach Levine and, these, and, the, and the core four, all these guys who are under 24 and under, to experience it. And every year that you waste without it, to me, it is more harmful than you know, getting in the late lottery, likely. I know the odds are different now, but this draft sucks. So we'll just try to try to make the playoffs. Yeah, the, I'm going to have to kind of piggyback off your point. The draft is weak this year. As you know, Fred, I've been on, you know, Chicago Bulls like, a lot of times, and I'm a big college basketball fan. You know, I dissect it. I love watching it. I'm, I'm a big fan of it. There is nobody that really catches me as like, dude, this guy is the, the guy. You know, people are talking about Obi Toppin in the top five. I, I just don't see it. He's a he's a tweener, small forward, power forward, you know, or you're talking Cole Anthony, who's a 6'2 point guard, who's explosive, definitely explosive. But, I mean, just there's nobody out there that really makes me go insane. Um, now, to piggyback off Key's point, would it be nice to add another high draft pick into the equation. But, I mean, how many times are we going to do that, you know, um, and, and try to make this work? I, I would like, obviously, it'd be cool if the Bulls made the playoffs because I, as much as I I know they're going to get bounced right away, I kind of go to your point, Fred, where, hey, it'd be good for Zach. I, I, I think especially Zach because you've seen a lot of frustration on him this year. I think that would be validation in his game to maybe where it would be enough like confidence it would just shoot him maybe off into the next level because, <laughs> let's face it here, if the Bulls did somehow make the playoffs this year, 
you got to give 100% credit to Zach Levine, I mean, right? I mean, for even keeping you somewhat there. Um, Absolutely. You know, uh, Absolutely. Another thing I want to see in the second half, too, is is something that Paxson said in a press conference. I want to see a better usage of Lowry Markkinen if he comes back. I'm, Lowry Markkinen is not a corner specialist. I don't, I don't know why. Jim just wrote him up to hang up around the perimeter, and you're supposed to have these offensive gurus on your bench like like Fleming, and and, and you allow to put Lowry Markkinen on the perimeter constantly, and everybody wants to say, oh well, look what he did in Brooklyn last year. Well, look what the hell he did when every you know when our second best player was healthy. He basically took him out of the offense. Now Lowry did miss a lot of wide open shots this year. I mean, he he started the year off yep. very poorly. Don't get me wrong, but to completely write him out after that and just make him a perimeter player on the offensive end of the ball is just completely ridiculous in my mind. He's the best on the move. He's best on that little drag, that little toe drag step, and best on that fadeaway. That's how he should be, you know. That's how he should be utilized in, in my mind. So I'd like to see that in the second half. Um, and again, piggybacking off your point, no team in the NBA is going to be good when you're missing you know, three of your five starters and two integral bench pieces. Cause we've seen Gafford miss time all year, but yeah. at first he missed time because Jim didn't play the guy and then he got hurt twice. Um, you know, and then you, now you have Chris Dunn hurt. So in my mind, it's kind of a toss up. I am indifferent. I don't, if they make the playoffs, I'll be super stoked for Zach because again, he's the guy that kept us there. Um, I am scared of what the implica- implications may be after that. If, if Jim Boylan is still our head coach moving forward, because uh, I don't think he should be. Um, but if we make the lottery, you know, if we get in the lottery and get a high draft pick, I'll, I could live with that as well. Um, you know, just because you're adding another player with some talent. So that that's all I have on that on that aspect of things. Um, moving on from there, unless there's any rebuttals from that, anybody have anything else to say about that before we move on? No, I I, I do want to add. I, I brought this up I think before on another show, but you know, like. In 2016, the Milwaukee Bucks with Chris Middleton and Giannis on the roster won 33 games. Um, you know, 2012, the Golden State Warriors won 23 games with all when, uh, with uh, Clay Thompson and, and Curry on the roster. They were all 24 and under. Like young teams need time to develop, need time to learn, and learn how to win. And I think anytime you can get a team into the playoffs and, and play that completely different game, it's beneficial for the development of these players. Uh, and for Zach to not experience that once yet in the league after all the years he's been in the league is, is disappointing. And if, to have him miss out again this year would, I think, be far more harmful than you know getting a, a lucky late lottery pick. All right, I can, I can definitely see your point on that. Goose, you got anything to add before we move on? Bulls better rattle off like a 20-game win streak real quick. <laughs> Yeah. Well, like you said yourself. Well, the rest of this month is not that hard. Right. I mean, no, I know. Like I said, I've, I've kind of outlined it. We do have two games left against the Magic, and we're only five games out, which means we only have to scrape together three games elsewhere in 27, so or 25 others. So, no, it's definitely doable. Uh, the sooner we get healthy, the better. And I do think that. Maybe we'll see a little what we saw in last February. Maybe we get some Miritich magic, and we rattle off seven straight, and we win, you know, 10 out of 12 and 15 out of 20. And, you know, it's it's very doable, especially in the state of where things are. Towards the end of the season, teams are going to start resting their stars uh, with their playoff seating already kind of locked into place as well. So anything can happen. That is true. Uh, a guy that we brought up in our both of our rants, or all three of our rants, uh, Chris Dunn. Um, Fred, I know you said before we went on we wanted to talk about him and, and what his future might look like here. I'm going I'm to give you the floor on Chris Dunn. I mean, what do you think they do with him? And do you think fans might uh, – see, how, how can I say this without being an asshole? Because I, I really don't want to be a, a dick here, but I have to be. Do you think people now, seeing how far – the Bulls' defense has slid since Chris Dunn has went out with injury. Do you think people bought land on Dunn Island with us three? Because us three have been like, <laughs> I don't know many other people. If you want to shout them out, Fred, that you do know that was on Dunn Island with us, please do so so they get the credit that they deserve, damn it. But do you think people are like, okay, well, you know what? 
Yeah, maybe is he not like the starting point guard, but is he a pretty good vital piece to the bench? Yeah, I think so. Do you think people miss Chris Dunn? And what would you like to see the Bulls do with him in this offseason? I, I think there's got to be room on every team that is serious about contending to have a, a premier player, a uh, defensive player of his caliber. I think he's elite when it comes to guarding defender uh, perimeter players. And you got to have a guy who can guard a three and have defensive versatility. We saw him in, I saw him guard Paul George, Chris Paul, um, you know, <laughs> just like completely different players from the one to the three and, and do a fantastic Jimmy Butler, sh- shut them down for the most part. He is fantastic on that end of the basket. I think his, his failures on the offensive end, are far overstated. It pretty much come down to he to me, he's had a horrible year shooting the three, and that's definitely problematic. But again, I, he was thirty five percent last year. He had a higher three point percentage in the pros last year than Kobe White did in college. So I don't know why he's really collapsed so badly this year, um, and it, it has been bad. But I still really feel like losing him, um, you know, for nothing would be a massive mistake. I do also feel that some team will probably pay him, you know, 10 to 15 million, maybe not that much, maybe eight to 12, somewhere around there. I think that's fair. Take a chance. Yeah. I eight think, to 12. Yeah. I think, you know, probably. Um, and you know, then it's, that's a tough question then, you know, like, boy, that's a lot, you know, for a team that has done nothing really overall. Um, it's a really tough question that the bulls, are going to have to probably answer as as he becomes a restricted free agent this summer. But for me, he's a guy you got to have, or at least a player who's close to you know just a elite defender for that you can throw on the best uh, opposition's best offensive player on the opposition. Absolutely, Goose. I mean, until we get that elite two-way player, you know that prototypical six-six plus seven-plus wingspan. Do it all, you know, utility knife on both ends of the floor. Chris Dunn's kind of the closest thing that you got to that outside of jump shooting. I don't know how you could let Chris Dunn walk instead of paying him Felicio money. Like, when you, when you put it like that, when you go, oh, well, should we sign Chris Dunn to the same contract that we gave Felicio three years ago when the cap was even lower? Or do we just let one of the people that we traded for Jimmy Butler walk for free? I don't – I think that's a bit of a no-brainer, especially in an offseason where the Bulls' cap situation is probably going to handicap them to make any other moves. Unless Otto's like, wow, this is just that horrible of a situation. I want to get the hell out of here. And he can find a contract that's beneficial for him to opt out of his last year of a max deal. Um, which in this market, maybe he does find a suitor for 15 to 20 over three or four years long-term, which he might see is more appealing than one year at 27. Um, but outside of auto opting out, the Bulls got Valentine and Dunn as restricted free agents. And that's kind of the extent of the changes they're going to make without making trades, um, so, yeah, you know, Denzel's not coming back if Jim's still here. So you really have one free agent to worry about. That that dude has gotten so dicked around this year, and I feel so horrible for him just in general because I think that Denzel's a pretty good shooter. I think that he's a pretty underrated playmaker, and I think people hate him, um, especially a lot of Bulls fans hate him because he's not flashy. Which makes me laugh because everybody and their mother thinks that Ryan Archie Diacono is the second coming of Kirk Heinrich. And if you guys compare him to Kirk Heinrich, I know you'd love to bust my balls on that. I'll kick both of you in the nuts. Um, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I had, you know, I mean, Fred, I think that you can even admit that with hey, me. I know you're not a big Kirk guy, but you know I, that Archie I, I can't Kirk hold his job. I, I would agree uh, 100%. Uh, Ryan's a great kid, he's a great football player, but he's not. Uh, <laughs> He's not anywhere near Kirk Heinrich. I'll definitely agree with you there. I appreciate that. You know, but as far as Dunn goes, I I would hate to lose Dunn. And I mean, is he a make or break guy for where we're at right now? No, he's not. And, and, and where we wanna go is is my point to that. Um 
on a on a contending team, I think that dude is valuable as hell. I think he I, I, he's valuable for us, but I think he's even more valuable for a uh, on a contending team because just like you said, Goose, and just like you said, Fred, I mean he's elite at perimeter defense. I, so I've shown a graphic that compares Chris Dunn, Marcus Smart, and Patrick Beverly, which is the type of player that I think you categorize Chris Dunn as. That's fair. Their stats are not very off at all. There's categories that Dunn actually succeeds in more so uh, than the other two, and they both make over $12 million a year. So if you can get Chris Dunn for eight, I think that would be perfect. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It, uh, part of the problem is to me, too, like, you know, every cool kid uh, who's a part of Bulls Nation was all in on Sato coming. Oh, Sato's the greatest, you know, and I was excited, too. Sato, to me, has been a massive disappointment. I mean, he's 34% from three, not even remotely close to 40%. Like, he's proven to me he's a backup. He's exactly what he was in Washington. That's what he should be doing. 100%. And, uh, 100%. and it's like, I, I, I don't think he's... Uh, all we heard this summer, you got to get done out of here. It's Sato's team, you know, like it's not, that's his position. Give me a break. The, like, dude, I, out of those two, I'd ra- rather have done. I, I really would. What, what gets me about that, Fred, and I'm not trying to like, I, I never want to make people feel like their opinions are stupid because I could be a hundred percent wrong, but I'm going, I'm going with you here. It, people who are saying that about Sato, it's throwing shit at the wall and seeing what'll stick. So you can have a hot take. That's what people on Twitter love to do. You know how Twitter works. You've been on it for years. You know, like I, you know, I mean that this is how it works. You yep. know, oh well, I said Sato was going to be the man. You see, I said that in July when he was kicking ass in in the FIBA World Championships. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, dude, he's in the NBA. You know, when he gets to, that's a different talent than it is in the FIBA World Championships. We all know this. Um, yes. In my mind, Sato is a good player. I think he's a pretty decent defender. I think that he's a pretty decent point guard for a size. What he's six seven, but to your point, he's a bench guy. He if he's your starting point guard, you're probably not. I don't want to sound like Dick Sand. Your your playoff chances are probably slim unless you have an elite 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 talent on your team. And if he's on your bench leading your second unit, you're probably in pretty good shape. I he's just not a. He's not a starting point guard in this league. And what cracks me up about everything is is we're, we've gotten to the point where it's still happening right now, where it's still happening that people would rather have Sato start than somebody like Kobe White, who we spent a seventh, you know, a seventh pick on in the first round of a draft. Um, if they, I don't, I don't really know what the Bulls are trying to do with that, but um, I would much rather, honestly, have. You know, gun to my head, I'd rather take Dunn than Sato personally. I don't know how you both feel about that, but that's how I I feel. I know we're all on Dunn Island. I would agree. I would agree, and I would also follow that up by saying we are absolutely in the minority in that opinion. Like I I can guarantee you, if you ask, you know, a hundred Bulls fans, it'll be ninety-seven saying they'd prefer Sato to than keeping Dunn. But you know, go back to where it was last summer. You had all these people saying you got to get rid of him for a second round pick or even just cut him, which is to complete idiocy. And when you have take a stance like that, you want to be proven correct. It's just human nature. So even now, I, I see people, you know, shortchanging Dunn and how good he is defensively. And he commits too many fouls, which is one of the dumbest things I've, you know, dumbest criticisms of a player I, I've seen. Um, there, there's. Every aggressive defender in today's game commits fouls. A great Kirk Heinrich you just mentioned led the league, led led all guards in fouls in 2006 as best year defensively. And so if you're aggressive, as the Bulls have aggressive defense, you're going to commit fouls. It's just a fact. Right. Well, I think uh, this is I, a fun debate too because if you look at it between like how you just said, if you brought in a hundred Bulls fans and we asked them the question whether or not they would want to have Don or Sato, Sato makes ten million dollars. Correct? Am I right on that? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so he makes ten million dollars a year. Done. We just said maybe eight, eight to twelve would be fair, right? We think that eight to twelve might be able to get a deal done. At least Dunn's a lead at something. You you know what I mean? And yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I agree. And I think what that do you he, say, Keith? Yeah, I, I want. No, sorry, no, 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 it's all good. Do you it's agree all good. with this? No, I mean Scotty Pippen doesn't know who he is, so you got to get him out of here. Well, that's fucked up. Uh, oh. <laughs> that was so stupid. No. <laughs> that's fucked. 
But no, I mean, I think ideally the, the reason that Sato was signed was to be just good enough to start, but not good enough to where he's going to keep Kobe White from taking that spot, which is why at this point of the season, Kobe White not starting is so frustrating because you didn't sign a world beater. You signed a guy who had positional size, was supposed to be a 40% three-point shooter, catch and shoot off the ball because you intended on Zach having the ball more than Sato anyway. So you got that size, you got the three-point shooting, and you have the ability to run a team when it's necessary. And I don't know if Sato just isn't comfortable in that role yet where he doesn't know when to go and when he has to defer when playing with Zach. But to this point of the season, I think we've seen that both free agency signings, well, they might be good players, probably aren't the best fits for this team. If you keep done and you're expecting Kobe to take a step forward, do you need Sato outside of maybe a backup shooting guard for Zach? Um, Thad, Jim refuses to play him and Lowry together. So what was even the point of paying Thaddeus Young? Because you need Wendell Carter on the floor for 30-plus minutes. You need Lowry on the floor for 30-plus minutes. That leaves you very minimal time for Thad. So I don't know um, how the Bulls are going to make changes this offseason. I do think there's a lot of good players here, but they got to find the right shuffle um, somehow. Jim's rotational problems, I mean, this is another thing that it's a good segue into this. Um, Jim's rotational problems have been highly documented throughout Bulls Twitter, uh, throughout even you know local sports radio. Um, the the whole thing about Thad is and how you brought that up about you know Jim not playing him when he should be playing him or whatever. Jim literally runs his off. And I I know that probably our younger listeners on this show will probably get this reference, but Jim runs this offense like an NBA 2K simulation. And what I mean by that is when it's time for your starters, you assign minutes to your players, right? And when it's time for your starters to come out, the whole starting unit comes out and then your whole bench comes in unless you go into the advanced options and you can, like, you know, you could sit Lowry here so Zach is still in the game so you can stagger. That's how Jim runs things, and that's been a huge issue with this team this year. And this is kind of something that we said in the beginning of the show. That's why probably we lost a lot of the games that we did. Uh, Fred, what do you got on that? Uh, well, I think the biggest problem with, with Jim's rotations was when he lost Otto Porter and then he also we lost touch, that he had a perfect backup three in Denzel Valentine to go to, and he insisted on going to his, you know, the coach's son and play <laughs> these three-guard lineups. He also, I mean, another thing, people want to talk about this, but this is absolutely true. Like, he does have, he, he, he gives guys wide berth to make mistakes like Kobe White. Kobe White is kind of an interesting case study to me this year because you know i know he's beloved and i love him too he's a great kid but he's been terrible in a lot of games this year he's literally cost this game i think a significant number of games and he's shot us out of these games he, and he's given keep on shooting kobe you know do whatever you want you know three and 14 three and 10 a lot of these games hey the numbers don't lie he's shooting 37 percent he's the lowest on the team i think he's 33 from three so yeah, he's won us a few, no doubt, especially early in the season. He had a great game against Memphis, you know, immediately comes to mind the second game and, you know, great. And he's 19 years old. I'm not trying to argue that he's not going to be good. I, I do feel he has the work ethic to achieve whatever ceiling it is for Kobe White. But his shooting has been horrific. Well, do you think for a he lot got of games kind of screwed there, though, because the, the coaching staff took the midi out of his game completely? I think I – think, he got screwed that the coaching staff gave him too much uh, reign to do whatever he wanted. Uh, and, and after the Memphis game, like you can do whatever you want and really, you know, fire away and don't look to facilitate for others. You, you, you can take the lead and make your own offense. And I don't think he was equipped to do that to at least to the degree that they allowed for him. Um, but then a guy like Valentine who really is good at facilitating for others who's excellent offensively, has very few weaknesses on the offensive end. He's a, a great rebounder. He's a very good shooter, outside shooter, which the team sorely needed. But he's not elite defensively, obviously. But I do feel his length covers up a lot of those problems. He was just buried. He's getting DNPs. 
Um, and the thing that really sucks is it's clear that Valentine made Daniel Gafford better. He made other players better on the offensive end. Bu- would have built their confidence. But, you know, he, for whatever reason, he had – coach had disliked him and, and, he, and he favored players that, you know, I called the coach's son and obviously Kobe White and Luke Cornett and, and Sato. He lo- that's his group that he likes. And other guys like Dad Young and, you know, aren't as, aren't, aren't as uh, nearly as beloved. And it's irritating, and, you know, there's no doubt about it. This guy is completely incompetent. It cost us, to me, five to seven games. Goose, you got anything on that topic? And try to keep it short and sweet. No, he's definitely cost us five to ten games. We rattled off three or four in the first ten when we were healthy that we probably should have turned into wins. Um, part of the big problem was that, Gafford and Valentine were both getting DNPs for Cornette and Archie. So even when we were healthy and we had all the pieces available, Jim really just hasn't put this together. Um, But he should have all his pieces soon, so let's see what the hell happens in the last 27 games here. So I know... Can I follow up on one other point? I just want to make one one more quick point, too. Everybody's getting... Oh, Jim, great job. You know, we're top 10 in the league all year for the most part, surprisingly. Uh, you know, in terms of defensive efficiency. Well, that's because it's primarily because of the efforts of two players, Chris Dunn on the perimeter and Wendell Carter Jr. on the inside. And as soon as those guys were out of lineup, we were one of the worst teams in the league. It's not the coach. It's the talent. So everybody's, you know, Pat the back, Jim's back, the defenders were, because he did a great job on the defensive side of the ball, which is where he concentrates on. No, we were good because of two guys, pretty much. That was it. It wasn't because of Jim. Right. Now, I know we we, we kind of like this will be the last topic of the show uh, before we, we say goodbye to everybody, but I know we kind of talked about, you know, what we were hoping to see in the second half of the season. Now, why don't we do what we actually think is going to happen, our, our, you know, our projections for the second half of the season. Uh, Goose, I'm going to start with you on this. You'll lead into Fred, and then I will, uh, I'll wrap it up from there. I'll go semi-optimistic, twelve and fifteen to finish the year. Okay, okay. So that's I'm assuming that's um, if everybody comes back. Yep, that's if everybody comes back, we get Wendell back at least game one, and Lowry and OPJ are back in the next three games. I I'll go with twelve and fifteen. Oh man, this is a tough one. It, 12, it, uh, I'm sorry, I put you on a spot like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I mean. To me, it's more important when Chris Dunn comes back, if he comes back. Our schedule definitely gets harder as we get closer to the end of the season. We're going to need him to, you know, kind of man up against some of the better, you know, perimeter offensive players of the opposition. If he doesn't come back at all, I think we're going to be, you know, 10 and 17, something like that. Oh, shit. I was more optimistic than Fred. Let me play it back. Yeah, play. Uh, <laughs> we, we, dude, do, do we but have a permanent receipt here? This is a recording. <laughs> <laughs> if Dunn comes back by, let's say, March, first week of March, sometime around there, I think we could be 15 and 12, something like that, even yeah, above 500. Over I'm back. Shooting. Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. Yeah, something like that, 15, 12, 16, 11, something like that. Nah, I, but it's lots of depending on him. Sorry to interrupt. Go no, ahead. it's all good. <laughs> I have to say 10 and 17 because I don't know if everybody's going to come back yet, and that's that's the worst part. I think that Zach is, I mean, you know, the schedule is not so crazy when we come off a break. I think that we could probably win 10 out of the last 27. I think that's possible. Um, But, you know, unfortunately, I don't know if that gets us where we want to be. But that's just kind of where I sit at with it. Uh, Goose, Fred, if you guys have anything to add before I do our little outro, just uh, go ahead and uh, speak your piece now. Yeah, I'll say, I know there's a lot of frustration in Bulls Nation, no doubt about it. But the core four of this team... 24 and under, regardless of what happens at the end of the year, I, I do think there's going to be changes. Uh, I still feel that this can be turned around pretty quickly by bringing in a competent head coach, making a few minor changes. Uh, I think it, it can happen pretty quick. You know, like uh, I can even think the same, if you bring the same roster back next year, let's say Otto opts in, doesn't leave, and he's has a monochrome of health, I think the team could easily be a, you know, 500 or better team and make the playoffs. For sure. And then, Fred, before we get into Goose's answer, can you let everybody know 
I mean, I'm sure they already know you. If they're listening to this podcast, like 99.9% sure they know who the hell you are. But let everybody yeah, know sure. where to go and, and all that for your show and your Twitter and all that noise. Yeah, Chicago Bulls. I know I haven't been doing many podcasts as much lately. It's, I'm coaching five nights a week, so it's been crazy. That's going to lighten up a little bit. Um, and obviously at CBE Fred. And I have agreed to join the head of, uh, uh, on a podcast, the head of um, – uh, Dog Bull Nation, Mark K from Australia on his Bulls HQ. So I'm looking forward to that. I think it'll be some interesting debates, and I, I, I plan on waving my Bulls flag very, you know, waving it a lot <laughs> in those battles, taking them to battle, bringing the war to the the Dog Bull Nation. We'll see how we'll see how it ends up. I'll probably end up uh, <laughs> not well, put it mildly. <laughs> Hey, well, you shall see. Well, you know you got a couple supporters right here that got your back. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> On the island. Yep, absolutely. Goose, you got anything to say, man, before we let everybody go? No, I think we hit on just about everything. I don't think the situation is dire as it appears, uh, but there definitely needs some quick adjustments to uh, make sure that we're going to stay headed in the right direction. Absolutely. And then uh, I guess my closing thoughts on this are, everybody, thank you throughout the first half of the season for helping our podcast here at Bulls on Tap grow. We've, we've grown tremendously throughout the season. Uh, we've, pot, we've only missed, I went back, Goose, if you didn't know, we've only missed six games this year due to me either being at games or your, that wedding that you were at. We've only missed six games so far without a post-game show this year. Um, so that, that's pretty cool. Um, so thank you to everybody that's been, you know, following along with us and uh, we'll still be here in the second half doing a uh, post game show after every single game be sure you're going to on tap sportsnet.com for all your chicago sports literature and podcasting needs following us all on twitter following goose at bull scripted following me at buzz on tap following at bulls on tap and uh yeah we'll be back when the bulls come back next thursday i believe they play if it's wednesday it's wednesday or thursday we'll be back on uh on one of those two days and uh let's go bulls